Fusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we leak weird and wonderful science into your brain. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this edition, judgment is rendered for Julian Assange extradition case. Assange's extradition decision. District Judge Vanessa Baretza has ruled that Julian Assange should face extradition for computer fraud and espionage. But she recommends against extradition due to his risk of suicide in an American torture prison. Judge Baratza has given the Trump administration everything they wanted, except Assange. Journalism is now a crime. She's also ruled that political prisoners can be extradited unless they are at risk of suicide. The US has until January 19th to lodge their leave to appeal. If granted, the appeal hearing could lead to at least another year of UK maximum security prison for Julian Assange, instead of the hospital care he desperately needs. Currently, Julian Assange is locked in his cell without warm clothes, blocking the window against winter weather with old books. Mr Assange is not allowed to shower or leave his cell for exercise. He's not allowed to phone his family or lawyers. All his court appearances had him locked in a glass box where he couldn't hear proceedings. This treatment is unlawful in the UK and the Australian government is breaching Australian laws by not protesting against Mr Assange being treated differently to other prisoners. Here's the United Nations Rapporteur on Torture, Professor Nils Melzer, speaking on German TV, Deutsche Welle. Well, we're joined now by Niels Meltzer. He's the United Nations Rapporteur on Torture and has visited Julian Assange in prison. He says the past 10 years have effectively been psychological torture for the WikiLeaks founder. Mr Meltzer, uh, what's your take on today's ruling then? Clearly, this judgment is a very important first step in the right direction. The judge has recognized that the conditions of detention that Julian Assange would be facing in the U.S. are oppressive. They would actually amount to torture and other cruel and human or degrading treatment. On the other hand, most of the judgment actually goes very far, unfortunately, in confirming and sustaining the rationale underlying the U.S. prosecution of Julian Assange which could be setting a precedent by which other journalists could be prosecuted and extradited to mm. the United States for espionage charges if they were to publish secret information. So why did Mr. Assange's case in particular catch your attention? In the beginning, I refused to actually get into this case because I was very much marked by the same prejudices that uh, the, the broader public has been uh, affected by through uh, the mainstream press reporting on Mr. Assange for 10 years. It was only when I started to actually look into pieces of evidence uh, to see that that whole narrative that has been spread about him for so long uh, you know, was not uh, supported by evidence. I then visited him together with a medical team in Belmarsh Prison, and we found that he showed all the symptoms that are typical for persons that have been exposed to psychological torture for a prolonged period of time. It is very much a cumulative process of destabilizing people through 
isolation, humiliation, uh, uh, it's also judicial harassment for political purposes where procedural rights are systematically being violated, and in the end, it breaks a person. And we actually have a confirmation of that precise process in the, today's judgment because it confirms that Julian Assange's mental health is so fragile today that he cannot even be extradited to the U.S. without risking his suicide. Uh, and that's also what we have observed together with my medical team. Let's be clear. Julian Assange is wanted by the U.S. government for receiving and publishing leaked documents revealing atrocities committed by American soldiers and corruption by American politicians. Of course, he also revealed crimes by Russia and many other nations. For those that argue he's not a journalist, it doesn't matter in the context of the US Constitution, which gives freedom of speech to all. Julian Assange has written articles and books and conducted TV interviews. What part of that isn't journalism? He's won dozens of journalism awards from the US, UK, Australia and around the world. Both the US and the Australian military spent 18 months trying to find anyone who was harmed as a result of the release of these unredacted cables, and failed to identify a single person. Judge Baretza claims in her decision that people were killed anyway. Prime Minister Scott Morrison said that Julian Assange would be free to return to Australia if the US appeal fails, but he didn't promise to not immediately hand him over to the Americans for torture. He doesn't want the CIA to make him another Gough Whitlam. Prime Minister Whitlam threatened to close the Pine Gap spy and drone base in the 70s, so the CIA got Governor-General Kerr to fire him. Judge Baretza has ruled that Mr Assange could be charged with violating the UK Official Secrets Act, despite this never coming up in the entire trial. Normally, you can only violate the act if you sign an oath that you won't reveal state secrets, which Julian Assange hasn't done. Judge Baretza has opened the way for Mr Assange to be charged and jailed under UK law. Analysts say that the prosecution would have to show that damage has been done to secure a conviction. Judge Baretza ruled that by conspiring to break a password for a computer system that Chelsea Manning already had access to, Julian Assange went beyond the role of a journalist, and so the Americans have a case that he doesn't have American constitutional protections for free speech. Technically, this is nonsense. She's decided that Assange is guilty of conspiring to break what he knew to be a mathematically unbreakable encrypted password, something he wouldn't have even tried. It's like charging someone with talking to another person about trying to break into the White House by staring at a photo of it. Such a person hasn't committed a crime. The American case and the judge's ruling are factually wrong. Judge Baretza has also ruled that although the US-UK treaty explicitly forbids extradition of people wanted for political crimes, that it's now legal to extradite all the political prisoners you like because she interprets the 2003 Extradition Act to overrule this protection. Abuse at will. When the dodgy Espionage Act of 1918 was used by President Nixon against Daniel Ellsberg for publishing Vietnam War atrocities in the Pentagon Papers, the judge threw the case out. 
because Nixon's administration had bugged Ellsberg's legal conversations without a warrant. The Trump administration bugged Julian Assange's legal conversations without a warrant and stole all his legal papers. His case should be thrown out on that basis alone, in both UK and US law. Judge Baraitza said she can't take that into account because the Spanish courts are still deciding on the bugging of Julian Assange by the US government. You're listening to Ian Wolfe on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. Mr. Assange spent nine months working with journalists from newspapers like The Guardian and The New York Times and a team from the US State Department to remove from the cables the names of agents who might possibly be put in danger. The cables, including the names of agents, were first published by the American newspaper Cryptome six days after Julian Assange phoned Hillary Clinton's State Department office to warn them of the danger and to give them a chance to help anyone who would be outed. The publishers of Cryptome have never been charged, despite their committing this act with an American jurisdiction. Mr Assange also tried to get Daniel Domscheit-Berg to take the cable files he stole off the internet. But German courts told him that the US owns them, not WikiLeaks, so he had no legal standing. A recording of Julian Assange warning the US State Department was broadcast in December 2020, which demonstrates that prosecution claims that Julian Assange published first and that he didn't care about who got hurt, are a lie. This conversation was brought up as evidence in the extradition trial, but nobody at the time had a copy of the recording. Here's a snippet of the 75-minute recording of Julian Assange talking with the US State Department lawyer Cliff Johnson on behalf of Secretary of State Hillary Clinton in 2011. Here you'll hear Julian explain that Daniel Domscheit-Berg had stolen the files and released them on the internet, while Guardian writer David Lee published the password. The Freetag newspaper in Germany and Doug Bladet in Denmark had published this password with the location of the file on the BitTorrent network so that technically trained people could put them together. Mr. Assange, hello, it's Cliff Johnson. Uh, G'day, Cliff. Thank you for calling back. Certainly. Yeah, so the, the situation is that we have intelligence that the State Department database archive of 250,000 diplomatic cables, including the classified cables, is being spread around and is, is a, uh, to the degree that we believe that within the next few days it will become public and we're not sure what the timing could be uh, imminently or within the, the next few days to a week and there may be some possibility to stop it. And who would be releasing these cables? Is this WikiLeaks? No, we would not be releasing them. We are doing our usual thing of continuing on with, with our redaction plan. But we have, in the, in the past 24 hours, released the, some 100,000 uh, unclassified cables as an attempt to head off the incentives for others to release the entire archive. But 
I believe that nonetheless, it, although we may have delayed things a little by doing that, uh, they will uh, do so unless attempts are made to stop them. We, we have already engaged in some legal attempts to get them to stop, but I, I think that it will not be enough. Mr. Assange, who, who, who is this other, who are these other people? Well, this is Daniel Dumscheidt-Berg, a previous employee that we suspended last August. And so he apparently has, has access to, to the material that WikiLeaks also has? Yes, that's correct. And he has access to everything that you have, is that right? That's correct. Okay, and that includes classified as well as the unclassified cables? That's correct. So your organization, the recent release of the 100,000 or so cables that I think were unclassified, that was something that, that you guys had done, but what you're, what you're indicating now is that, is that a broader group of classified ones might be released by, by this other entity. Yes, it was, I mean, in part, we have had a, a program to go through the cables and, and release them as, as we can and as the journalism has done. But uh, so part of that is, is a natural progression um, in our release schedule. But we, we have moved forward uh, the unclassified release schedule very significantly in order to deal with this situation where there is a, there's a high demand for the cables and there is... Uh, an individual who is spreading them around and the, the particular manner in which they're being spread uh, means that a greatly increased number of people are receiving access to them and we believe that it's only moments uh, to, to days until information is made public which would permit everyone to have access to them and there, there are some key details uh, some there are sort of two key pieces of information which if combined together are enough to give people anyone access to the material so an encryption key and another piece of information and this is what has been spread around and that is why the situation is so delicate because it is extremely easy to spread that information we have already received it back from at least two relatively minor newspapers, one in, in Germany and one in Denmark. That individual, and in terms of what they took, does that mean that they now have the ability themselves without your control or authorization to make this as available as they want? Is this now in their control? And have you made any efforts to try to stop them, or are you... Yes, we, you we have written legal demands to them through our German lawyers and it, um, asked the, one of the publications, Freetag, uh, in Germany, who was given them through this manner to, to not publicly reveal the, the key information that would uh, permit them to spread. Those publications have been swapping the key information over unencrypted email, um, which they sent to us uh, in, in sort of researching the story. And they've made that a story and also in Denmark has been printed. What we want the State Department to do is to step up its warning procedures, which it was engaged in earlier in the year and late last year, to 
the two uh, State Department sources that are mentioned in the cables. I assume, but I am not sure, that all, all of those individuals that the State Department thinks might be at risk in despotic regimes have been contacted and certainly they've had, because of the press, significant warning that this sort of thing was coming. But in case there are uh, any individuals who haven't been warned, that they should be warned. Uh, and in, insofar as uh, the State Department can impress upon uh, people within Germany to encourage them to desist that behaviour, that would be helpful. As far as the law is concerned, we do not have standing uh, to initiate such action because the material does not belong to us. So it, it is very difficult for us to take legal action court. We have issued demands to the individual concerned legally, but we do not have standing to initiate a legal action itself. We're, we're learning about this from the media circling back to us from Germany and Denmark contacting us from what they have said publicly uh, on publication um, yesterday and we have learnt about it from our own sources. We continue to make sure that there is no harm to the interest of the United States and rather the news benefit to the American people and to others. It is paramount um, in everything that we do and that is partly why you have received this call. Judge Baritza ignored this evidence. If I criticise the President of China within China, I'll go to jail for exercising free speech. The jurisdiction of China is within the borders of the nation-state of China. If I criticise the President of China while I'm in Australia or the US, then the President of China has no claim on me because I've offended him outside of his jurisdiction. For the President of China to insist that his jurisdiction extends to Australia and the US would be to challenge the sovereignty of those nations. It would mean that Chinese laws overrode our laws. When America asserts that American laws apply in the UK, they're saying that American laws trump UK laws. UK sovereignty doesn't apply anymore. Under Judge Baratza's ruling, you could be extradited to China from the UK even if you've never been there, unless you're a suicide risk. This is just one consequence of her ruling that Julian Assange could be extradited if not for the mental illness caused by his torture in the UK. Democracy and the free speech it relies on are in danger. Even Sarah Palin admitted she was wrong about condemning Julian Assange. Hey, this is Sarah Palin up in Alaska, and I am the first one to admit when I make a mistake. I admit that I made a mistake some years ago not supporting Julian Assange, thinking that uh, he was a bad guy, that um, he leaked material that perhaps he shouldn't, and I've learned a lot since then. And I think Julian did the right thing, and Julian um, did us all a favor in America, did the world a favor by fighting for what he believed was right, and ultimately he's been proven to be right. He deserves a pardon. Um, he deserves all of us to understand more about what he has done uh, in the name of real journalism. And that's uh, getting to the bottom of issues that the public really needs to hear about and benefit from. Uh, yeah, some years ago, 
I publicly spoke out against Julian and I, I made a mistake. I, I, like I say, I've learned a lot since then. Um, he, I know that it's coming down to the wire and whether he's gonna be pardoned or not. I want more Americans to speak out on his behalf and to understand what it is that he has done and what has been done to him as he was working on the people's behalf to allow information um, to get to us so that we could make up our minds about different issues, about different people. He did the right thing. Um, I support him. And I hope that more and more people, especially as it comes down to the wire, will speak up in support of pardoning Julian. Um, God bless him. Here's Stella Morris, Julian Assange's fiance and a lawyer in her own right, speaking after the decision. I had hoped that today would be the day that Julian would come home. Today is not that day, but that day will come soon. As long as Julian has to endure suffering in isolation as an unconvicted prisoner in Belmarsh Prison, and as long as our children continue to be bereft of their father's love and affection, we cannot celebrate. We will celebrate the day he comes home. Today is a victory for Julian. Today's victory is the first step towards justice in this case. We are pleased that the court has recognized the seriousness and inhumanity of what he has endured and what he faces. But let's not forget, the indictment in the US has not been dropped. We are extremely concerned that the US government has decided to appeal this decision. It continues to want to punish Julian and make him disappear into the deepest, darkest hole of the US prison system for the rest of his life. That can never happen. We will never accept that journalism is a crime in this country or any other. Let's not forget that US agents plotted to kill Julian on British soil. His British solicitors were deliberately targeted by name and their documents were stolen. Their illegal operations even targeted our six-month-old baby. It is sickening and it is also a threat to everyone. On behalf of Julian and myself, I want to thank the millions of people around the world and the institutions that are already calling for this persecution to end. I ask you all to shout louder, lobby harder, until he is free. I call on everyone else to come together to defend Julian's rights. Not just Julian's rights, they're your rights too. Julian's freedom is coupled to all our freedoms, and our freedoms are lost in the blink of an eye. I call on insiders to come forward to expose the full extent of the misconduct that has led to Julian's imprisonment. And I call on the President of the United States to end this now. 
Mr. President, tear down these prison walls. Let our little boys have their father. Free Julian. Free the press. Free us all. If this story has raised upsetting issues for you, in Australia, you can call the SANE helpline on 1800 18 SANE, which is 7263, or Lifeline on 131114, or the Suicide Callback Service 1300 659 467, or Beyond Blue 1300 224636. In the US, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline 1800 273 8255. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Are you a scientist, artist, biohacker, or maker who'd like to be interviewed about your work? Would your company like to sponsor Diffusion? Send your contributions, opinions, helpful suggestions, and donations to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. Please like the Diffusion Science Radio page on Facebook and rate the show on iTunes. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Ian Wolfe. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia to 28 stations on the community radio network, including Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM in New South Wales, 8 Triple C in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek, 2 MVR in Nambucca Valley, 3 MBR in the Mallee Border Districts of Victoria and South Australia, City Park Radio 7LTN in Launceston, Tasmania, and 2XXFM in Canberra. Diffusion is narrowcast on Indigo FM 88 in northeast Victoria. Diffusion is syndicated globally on the National Science Foundation's science360.gov internet radio station and also on astronomy.fm. Subscribe to the podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com and check the website for links, photos and videos about this week's show. If you enjoyed the show, you can explore more than a thousand previous episodes archived on diffusionradio.com where the shows are labelled by keywords so you can focus in on the stories you want to hear. Make a donation through paypal.me slash ianwolf or join my patrons at patreon.com slash Diffusion Radio. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know, and to appreciate. When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things. You learn to read the history of the Earth as it is written in rocks and fossils. You find out what makes things tick, everything from a molecule to a living organism. In the study of science is found the most useful and satisfying knowledge of man, knowledge of his physical world, its past, its present, and its future. And in your moments of relaxation, now and in the years to come, you will find the study of science leading you into fascinating pursuits, photography, collecting. Why study science? Study science because you will find in the study of science a richer, more rewarding life.